Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I've got a, I've got a message for you guys tonight that I'm pretty pretty excited about, pretty nervous about at the same time, if I'm honest, because uh, the challenge to me as much as uh, I think it will be a challenge to you guys. And I'm believing that God's going to do something great tonight. And uh, I really, really do think that uh, at the end of tonight, we're going to see Jesus just really break some chains and set some people free. Um, because who knows that the gospel is truth. And the most powerful thing about Jesus is his love. And one encounter with him can change everything, which is pretty awesome if you ask me. Um, but before we get to all that, I want to give you the name of my message here tonight. The name of my message that I'm going to title. Oh, it's ready behind me. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> the guys at the back desk are like, ha, we're going to get him. <laughs> no. But the name of my message tonight, and if you're taking notes, write this at the top of your page. Write this in big, bold font if you can. If you're artistic, maybe put a little squiggle underneath it. But my title of my message tonight is called this, Buried Alive. Ooh, Intriguing. Buried alive. Now, I will explain why it is called that later on, but for those who have written that title at the top and those who are taking notes, uh, we're going to turn to John 11, verse 17. Before I do that, or while you are finding that, uh, I just want to let you know that Pastor Tony and Kath send their love to you guys. They are at the moment taking some well-deserved uh, break before life conference with their family, and so they're enjoying it uh, over in New Zealand and all that sort of stuff. And so they send their love. They say they miss you guys. They can't wait to be back. And so uh, they just, yeah, they're praying for you, and make sure you're praying for them as well, because who knows that we need to pray for our leaders on a daily basis, yeah? It's good. So John 11 verse 17, it should be up on the screen, I believe. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Hello. Although you guys all should have your Bibles because you know it's church. Um, y'all a little bit slow on that one, see? See, there's going to be a few tests, you know? So, I mean, you guys should have your Bibles. Uh, there you go. Come on. I like it. All the tricks to make you pay attention the whole time. Dun, dun, dun. No. John 11 verse 17 says this. Now, actually, I should give you context. That's a good idea. So the context behind the scripture is basically uh, Jesus and the disciples are together. And basically, they get sent a messenger comes to them from Mary and Martha. And they go, hey, Jesus, we want to let you know that your really good friend Lazarus is really sick. Your really good friend is really sick and, you know, yeah, do something with that. And it's funny because you read the scriptures and they don't actually ask him to do anything. They just kind of like let him know, which is interesting to me. But we see that Jesus actually, once he gets that messenger, he says, hey, tell them that the sickness will not end in death, right? And so he knows that Lazarus is sick. He sends the messenger back and then he stays where he is at for about two days, Two days. And so you would think being the Messiah who can heal anything, right? He would go there as quickly as he can and, and go heal Lazarus and all that sort of stuff. But he stays where he is at for two days. And then after that second day, he goes, all right, guys, it's time we go see Lazarus. And what you need to know as well is that around this time uh, in Judea, what happened is that Jesus was not actually liked that much by a bunch of the Jews. Basically, what tried to take place is that they actually tried to stone him just before this. And so what would take place is that he's going, we need to go see Lazarus. And in order for them to do that, they would literally need to pass through Judea, right? And so basically what he's saying is that, hey, we need to go see Lazarus and risk our lives for what's ahead of us. And the disciples are like, hang on, Jesus. You know, we didn't sign up for this whole dying thing. Like, are you sure you want to go back there? And he's like, yep, we need to go. 
know and all that sort of stuff. And so basically we see and we pick up the story in verse 17 when they arrive at uh, Bethany, which is right outside Judea. And it says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been uh, in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles from the road from Jerusalem and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Can we, like, I read that and I go, I feel like Martha was just like, like just too scared of being burnt again by Jesus, you know? And like, she's like, hey, Mary, Jesus wants to see you, you know? You go get burnt by Jesus. That's how I read that. But then Jesus, uh, so 29, uh, so Mary immediately went to him. Uh, verse 30, Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept, or some translations say Jesus wept, right? Which is actually the shortest verse in the whole Bible. That was two people. I think that was Chloe and Andre. Come on, guys. I forgive you. It's okay. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people... <laughs> Woo! Jesus weeping. <laughs> the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Worse than the auditorium smelled after Youth Alive conference with 500 teenage, teenagers in this place. You know what I'm saying? Like, woo, we need to have like deodorant stands out there or something. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out and his hands and feet bound in grave cloths, his face wrapped in a head cloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Man, you guys sat through that so well. That was a long piece of scripture, and you guys sat through that. It was amazing. 
I kind of, whenever I read the story, whenever I read the Bible, I find myself, hey, yeah, come on. Come on. Getting all warmed up. I love it. But whenever I read, I find myself putting myself in, in different people's shoes to try and understand the story better, yeah? I find myself trying to picture what it would be like to be each person within that story to try and picture what, to get a full understanding of what took place in that moment, yeah? Because who knows that we read the Bible all the time with the understanding. Guys, it's, 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 it's all right, it's coming, it's, yeah. <laughs> but we read it sometimes with the understanding of what, what's going to happen at the end, Yeah? And so we read it with the, the cross in mind and the fact that we know that we are forgiven and we know we are set free. But here's the thing is that in that moment, they don't know that, yeah? And so it's good for us to practice being in that moment and really trying to understand what each person is thinking, feeling, and doing in that moment, yeah? To truly understand what we need to get out of those scriptures. And so uh, when I read this, I try and put myself in each person and part of me goes, man, I wonder if Mary and Martha, when Lazarus first got sick, right? And my wife has done this to me before. When, when they go, it's like, oh, I'm not feeling too well. And they're probably like, oh, it's just a man flu. Ooh. Like, I, I kind of go, man, I wonder, if, I wonder if, like, Lazarus had a man flu. And my, Mary and Martha were like, come on, Lazarus. It's just a man flu. Get over it. You'll be fine. It's not like you're going to die or anything. And then Lazarus is like, man, I'll show you. And then he like, he, you know, like, come on. No. But the other person I put myself in is Mary and Martha. And I go, man, they sent word to Jesus. They trusted Jesus. They followed Jesus. And they were like, hey, Jesus, we need a miracle right now. Can you come and provide us with a miracle? And Jesus didn't come. The all-loving, reckless love, never-ending, you know that Jesus? He didn't come to heal him. Man, that would suck. Imagine how disappointed you would be in that moment. If you were Mary or if you were Martha and you had sent word to Jesus, the person you had devoted your life to and the person that you were following with all your heart and physically following as well, and you say, hey, Jesus, can you come heal Lazarus, your friend, my, our brother, you know, we know you love him, we know you care for him, can you come heal him? And Jesus doesn't rock up. What? Imagine the disappointment they would be feeling in that moment. And so we see Jesus eventually come up and they say this. They say, Jesus, if you were only here, if you were only here, then my brother would not have died. See, they let their disappointment in that moment direct their actions and direct what they were saying. And then we read on and this is where I kind of transition and I try and put myself in Jesus' shoes because I find it so interesting that he saw people crying and weeping and wailing and it says that a deep anger welled up inside of him. Isn't that strange? Like our, our compassionate, all-loving, all-knowing Jesus, the one who died on the cross for us, the one who loved us so much that He gave us all, when He saw people in pain and when He saw people crying, He was angry. Like what? And so I put myself in Jesus' shoes and I, I was reading this and I felt like God speaks so clearly to me. And, and here's the thing is that when I was reading this and I came to that part where it says, then Jesus wept. I think so many of us read it as, man, Jesus would have been upset that Lazarus has passed away. Man, Jesus would have been upset that everyone was pressuring him. But I don't think it was that at all. I read it and I felt like God said to me, hey, I wasn't upset because of anything like that. I wasn't angry because of that. The thing I was upset about was the fact that they had buried what I wanted to bless. 
They had buried what I wanted to bless and I cannot help but to think in my life and probably in your life too, that every now and then we tend to bury things that God actually wants to bless in our lives. We tend to push things under and bury them because they look dead to us. We didn't receive the miracle we wanted. It's too painful. It's too hurtful. And so we bury it and God's going, what are you doing? I wanted to bless that. We find ourselves in situations where we are confused and hurting because we don't trust what God says over our own feelings and emotions. And so my question is tonight, what have you buried that God wants to bless? Maybe for you, maybe it's a gifting, maybe it's a calling, maybe it's a dream you once had, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job, maybe, well, I don't know, whatever it may be. Maybe it's a pain that you once felt in the past that you're burying. Maybe it's a mess that you once felt that the decisions you made that turned into mistakes and it turned out to be a big mess. And, and you go, man, I want to bury that. And God's going, no, 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 don't bury it because I want to bless it to turn your mess into a message and your test into a testimony. But I can't do that if you bury it. I can't do that if you hide it from me. I can't do that if you cover it up with other stuff. And so in order for us to position ourselves in a place where God can bless what we buried, we've got to do a few simple things. And number one is this, we've got to recognize. If you're taking notes right, recognize down. So here's the thing, God can only do things with the real, right? When it comes to you, right, I'll explain it this way, Jesus is the perfect gentleman. He will never force himself upon you he will wait for an invitation to come in. And until we recognize that we have buried something, He will never be able to come and bring healing or breakthrough in that area because we aren't being real with ourselves and we aren't being real with God. So the first step we need to do is that we need to recognize. The first thing is we need to recognize what we buried, whether it's, a, like I said before, a gifting or a calling or maybe it's a relationship or ask you, you would know what it is. Ask yourself, what have I buried in the season? And we need to ask ourselves what we have buried. The second thing that we need to do is we need to recognize why we've buried it, yeah? Because if we understand the why, we can change our what a lot easier, yeah? When we understand the why, we can change our what a lot easier. See, Mary and Martha, they, they, they let themselves bury Lazarus. They let them do that because they had a disappointment and a hurt that Jesus didn't turn up when they wanted him to turn up. They had a disappointment and a, man, Jesus, we asked for you and you didn't rock up. And so we're disappointed in you. And so we're actually going to bury this thing that you said wouldn't die. That you gave us a promise wouldn't die. We're actually going to bury it because we're disappointed in you. So they let the disappointment be the reason as to why they buried what they buried. Why have you buried the thing in your life that Jesus wants to bless? Is it because you're hurt? Is it because you're embarrassed? Is it because it's painful? I don't know why it is for you, but why have you buried what God wants to bless? Because when we know the why, it's easy for us to change the what. We need to recognize why we have buried it. Maybe it's our frustration or anger. But here's the thing, as Pastor Tony always said, we can't let our soul lead our spirit. We have to let our spirit lead our soul. And all for us to allow God to bless what we have buried we need to recognize what we have buried and why we have buried it. We need to let our spirit rise up and we need to let it lead our soul. 
from where we're at to where we know we need to be. See, because just because it looks dead doesn't mean it is dead. Just because something looks dead doesn't mean that it is dead. See, here's the thing. Is that we look with natural eyes and God doesn't look with natural eyes. We often look at situations. I look at situations all the time in the here and now. And God's not looking at it in the here and now. The Bible talks about that he's outside of time. Which means he's in every moment. Which means that he is looking years down the track. And he can see where this leads if we were to just allow our spirit to rise up and lead our soul and not let our disappointment, hurt, anger, frustration or complacency to direct us away and bury what God wants to bless, yeah? Number one thing that we need to do is we need to recognize. But it's not just enough to recognize, yeah? Like it's not just enough to be like, if I went to a shari and I was like, hey, I know I'm bad at the dishes and I'll try and do something about it and then never did anything about it again. That would not be good enough, you know? She would let me know that wasn't good enough. And so it's not just enough for us to recognize the fact that we have buried something, but we actually have to respond in the right way as well. And you, you would notice that these two points are very much on us. You know what I'm saying? Like these two points, recognize and respond, are very much on us. And, and I think that they should be because here's the thing, God is drawn to movement, Yeah. I like to describe this. We described it like this at, a, at summer camp, that God is like a soap dispenser. You're like, man, this dude's theology is whacked. God is like a soap dispenser, right? You go into the bathrooms afterwards and you wave your hand under that soap dispenser and the soap flows out. Yeah? And it's similar to God. When God sees movements, He flows out. Yeah? And so the reason that these first two points are so us focused and so on us is because that when we start to move, when we make a choice to move forward, that is actually when God can actually begin to flow in us and flow through us and bring a healing and a breakthrough where we needed it before, yeah? So number two was we need to respond. We need to respond the right way. A lot of the time when we have buried something and we recognize we are buried, our, our, our temptation, our, our natural inclination is to isolate ourselves sometimes. I find that's what I do a lot of the time. Every time that I feel like I buried something, whether it be uh, something I know I should have stepped into or whether it be my faith or what, whatever it may be, whether it be a testimony, whatever it may be, I find myself whenever I bury something, I find myself isolating myself and really just stepping away from community and planting myself in a spot where I don't have anyone speaking into me and I don't have anyone bringing any wisdom to me and it's just me and my thoughts all alone and I start to have a pity party for myself instead of pushing in. And I'll tell you what, I, the enemy, the devil, he wants you to be isolated, right? Because he knows when you're isolated, it's easy to get you thinking certain ways. It's easy to get you thinking certain ways. When you isolate. You are uh, incapacitated. When you isolate, you are incapacitated. And he knows that, and so he's going to try and get to that. But here's the thing is that when we recognize, we need to respond. And so instead of isolating ourselves, we actually need to push in more. We actually need to step in more. We actually need to begin to have conversations more. 
Because when we do that, we surround ourselves with the right people. We respond in a way that is stepping into what God has for us. And we have people alongside of us who will bring wisdom, who will bring challenges, who will bring accountability, who will bring all those things. And so that when we recognize and we respond in the right way and we open up and we say, hey, this is on me. I need help doing this. And when we lean in, when we don't run away from church on Sundays, when we don't run away from youth, when we step into connect group and we start to pick up our Bible again and start to pray again. That was nice. I saw a few hands go up there. But when we begin to do that and step in and press in and we recognize what we buried and we go, you know what, God, I'm going to respond in this way. That is when God can actually do something with that. See, a lot of the time I think that we go, God, I'm waiting for you to do something in my life. Like Jesus, come and change me. It's a banger song, by the way. Oh, God, come change me. I can't sing, guys. <laughs> See, a lot of the time we go, God, I'm waiting for you to, you to do something. God, I'm waiting for you to move. God, I need you to sort this out in my life. God, I need you to. God, I need you to. And he's going, hey, when are you going to move? When are you going to make the choice to step out? When are you going to make the choice to start moving? Because this isn't a one-way street. When you act in obedience, I will follow. It was crazy. We ended our, our, our term at youth and we did a message all around basically the, the two biggest commandments in the Bible and, and it's love God and love people, yeah? And so it talks about loving God and loving people and we spoke about how we love people and it's interesting, right? Because Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. I hate reading that passage. <laughs> if you love me, you will obey me. The way we love God is through our obedience. God's love language is obedience. And so a lot of the time we go, God, we're waiting for you to do something in my life. I'm waiting for breakthrough to occur. God, I've been praying for it for so long. What's going on? And he's going, hey, how about you go to talk to someone? He's going, hey, I placed leaders in your life for a reason. Hey, I didn't just design church to be a Sunday event. I designed you to be the church. So how about you step out and you begin to have conversations? We go, God, I just want you to use me, Jesus. I just want you to use me. I want to step into my calling. He's going, cool, pick up the chairs. Clean the toilets. And we go, that's not what I meant, God. But when we recognize and we respond, and we respond with the right attitude and the right heart, we step into all that God has for us. God's love language is obedience, and it requires a response from us. It requires a response from us. Could I have Susanna come and join me up on stage to provide the lovely sound of the keys? That'd be amazing. We've got to recognize. We've got to respond. We've got to do something. It says in Hebrews, faith without works is dead. In other words, you can, have, you can say you have all the faith in the world, but unless we outwork that on a day-to-day -day basis, there's no point in even saying it, yeah? Some of you may be going, well, 
I've had a disappointment in me that towards God because he didn't come through in what I went through. He didn't, he didn't come through when I asked him to. And I would say this, have you ever tried being honest with God? Now, I know that sounds super weird because we know, we know that God's all-knowing. We know all that sort of stuff. So we go, well, He knows everything. What do you mean by being honest? And I mean like this, like, have you ever, like, when you're angry at God, have you ever told Him that you're angry at Him? Have you ever been like, God, I'm really angry at you right now? Because I didn't do that for a long time. I didn't do that for a long time. And one day I was reading the Psalms and I was reading a Psalm of David and you'll see this in many of his psalms. And basically what he does is that he goes, it starts off like this. God, why do you hate me? <laughs> like, paraphrase. This is the New International Dan version. Um, get it in the resource center afterwards. It's great. But going like, God, why do you hate me? And then by the end of it, we see that he's going, but God, you are good. And I was reading that one day and I was like, man, how did he make that transition? And I felt like God said to me, it's because he was open and honest with me and I can do something with the real. I can't do anything with the fake and who you're pretending to be. And when you're real with me, I can begin to do a healing work within you. I can begin to heal you and provide breakthrough in your life. And when you respond in a way that is healthy, true and honest towards me, I can do something with that. And so if you have something buried in your life and God's going, hey, I'm, I want to be blessing that, we need to be recognizing what it is, first of all, and why we, why we buried it in the first place. And then we need to respond in the right way. We need to get before Jesus and go, you know what, Jesus, I'm hurt. I'm annoyed. I don't understand. I am confused. But God, I know you are bigger. But God, I know you are greater. But God, I know you have a better plan for me. Why? Because I find it in your word. When you respond in the right way. Here's the crazy thing. Is that when we actually recognize, when we respond and when we get before God, and when we give it to Him and are honest with Him, it's crazy because that's when the third step happens is that Number three is resurrect. Or you can put resurrection if you like to on your notes. It's up to you. But when we recognize and when we respond accordingly, all of a sudden, Jesus can take what we thought was dead, what we had buried, what we had put away, what we had hidden from the rest of the world, He can take that and He gets to turn around and resurrect it and use it to build His kingdom. It says in verse 25 of John 11, that's when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is in the business of taking dead things and bringing them back to life. 
Jesus is in the business of taking your dead dreams and bringing them back to life. Jesus is in the business of taking those dead relationships and bringing them back to life. Jesus is in the, is in the business of taking your mess and turning it into a message that he can use to spread his kingdom. But here's the thing. It's not just going to be on him. It's not just a moment where we wait for God to give us a great opportunity for us to step into it. And it's not just a moment where we wait for God to give us a platform that we can stand on. But rather, it's on us to start recognizing and responding in a right way so God can actually resurrect what is in us so he can use us what have you buried that God wants to bless see just one touch from Jesus not even one touch just one word from Jesus and he can turn dead things back to life in the story it says that Lazarus had been dead for four days right and you may look over that, you may go, that's cool, that's cool information. But what you need to know is that back uh, in those days, the Jewish people believed that the soul of the person would hang around the body for three days. And then after that third day, that, bot- that soul would, uh, you know, go up to heaven and all that sort of stuff. And so they believed that for three days, that soul would hang around the body. And isn't it interesting that Jesus waited till the fourth day when there was no hope There was no logical explanation other than Jesus must be the Messiah. Jesus waited till there was no hope, till no one could do anything. And in that moment, in that precious moment, Jesus took what was buried. And he blessed it and made it beautiful. Who knows that it's a process as well after that, right? You know, I read that Bible, I read the story again, and I go, man, like, (laughs) bro, pick your moments. No, I was kidding. I was kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Read the room, man. (laughs) I I read that, and I go, man, wow. The thing I find interesting that Jesus went, hey, roll the stone away. I go, man, why did Jesus need other people to roll the stone away? Like, why, why, why did he need them to roll the stone away? And then he says later, once Lazarus had come out, he goes, hey, unwrap him and let him go. But I'm like, man, this is where my mind just goes, man, if Jesus, if Jesus is Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if he's Jesus... Couldn't he just speak and it would be done anyways? And yeah, it could. Yeah, he could speak and the, roll, the stone would roll away by itself. And the, the, the grave clothes around Lazarus would literally disintegrate. But sometimes, once we've recognized and once we've responded... And Jesus begins the resurrection work for that thing that you have buried that he wants to bless. Sometimes, there's a bit of a process that happens after it as well. And we find that the thing that we have buried is, is not quite as we remembered it. And what he begins to do, he begins to go, hey, I need you to start to unwrap it. I need you to start to unwrap those grave clothes so it looks like what I want it to look like. Because at the moment, it doesn't look like what I intended it to look like. But if you can commit to uh, responding and if you can commit to that process, then you can begin to unwrap the grave clothes from this thing. And all of a sudden, you will be surprised at how much it looks like what you want it to look like. 
What have you buried that God wants to bless? If I could have the band up here, that would be amazing. We need to allow Jesus to add his super to our natural. The mess that you buried, let's let Jesus turn it into a message. Jesus turns a hopeless situation into a hopeful situation. I think that's pretty amazing. But here's the thing is that I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight. I don't know who resonates with this. And if you do, awesome. I'm so glad that you do. But if you feel like you've buried something that God wants to bless, if you feel like for you, you know you've buried something, you've hidden it away from the world, you've hidden it away from other people, you've kind of put it to a side, maybe it's a gifting that you felt you had, maybe it's a calling that you felt you had, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a situation, maybe you're too hurt by what someone did to you and you haven't given them forgiveness and so you've got this thing sitting inside of you that's really just poisoning you. Whatever it may be, if that is you, if you feel like you buried something that God is actually wanting to bless. If you feel like you got something in your life that is a mess that God wants to turn into a message, I want to encourage you that if you were to recognize and if you were to respond to Jesus in a way tonight that surrenders it to Him and is honest with Him, I know that you would begin the process of having that thing brought back to life and have it resurrected in no time at all. I've got this story, and it's a little bit of an amusing one. But it was back when I was in year six. I was going to Tyndale. Shout out to all the Tyndalians out there. Hello. You guys will love this story, by the way. It's going to be amazing. Basically, I mad street cred when I was in year six. Mad street cred. Not really. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> But I was in year six and I was receiving an award at a, like a celebration type evening. You know the celebration evenings that no one likes going to? Yeah, yeah, those ones. <laughs> but I was receiving an award from it. And so I attended school that day and all that sort of stuff. And then I went, I was literally lining up to go on stage to receive this award. And as I begin to walk up, the stairs, something doesn't quite feel right. And my principal's in the middle of the stage and as I'm walking towards him, going, man, look how cool I am for receiving a participation award. And as I shake his hand, something rises up within me, being last night's dinner. And I projectile vomit all over him in front of the whole school. It's safe to say in that moment I was quite embarrassed and all my street cred was gone. And see, for a long time, I wanted to bury that story because of the hurt that I had attached to it. But then, last year, I got the opportunity to go into that school in the very same hall and auditorium where that took place. 
And I was able to share with a bunch of students in a way that made me connect with them, that allowed me to actually bring the good news of Jesus towards them. So basically my hurt, my embarrassment, the thing I tried to hide and the thing I tried to bury is actually the very thing that God wanted to use to build His kingdom and to project Him into the future. And so I don't know what you've done. I don't know what your story is, but there's things in your life that God is going, hey, that is not to be ashamed of. That is not to be buried. I actually want to bless that so I can use you and I can use you to build my kingdom. If only you would recognize, respond, and that will bring a resurrection power to that. Don't let your embarrassment and hurt stop you from stepping into what God wants you to step into. If you guys could stand, that would be amazing. We're going to go into a worship song in just a second. But I would love to have the privilege and the honor to be able to pray for some of you guys who feel like you buried something that God is actually wanting to bless and that you feel like it's time to start dealing with that thing that you buried. It's time to start removing that stone from in front of that entrance. It's time to start unwrapping. It's time, whatever it may be, I want you to respond in just a second. And if you've recognized that that is you and why you've done it, and if you want to respond, I would love for you to be brave enough and bold enough and courageous enough. And I know this may seem silly sometimes, but I would love for you just to raise your hand in just a moment, just so I know who I'm praying for. And I would love to be able to stand with you and pray with you that you would receive a resurrection power in you tonight through your recognition and your responding to Jesus. And as a result, you'll begin to see that which you once buried. You would see God bless it and make it beautiful so that you can begin to work it again in your life and you begin to use it into building His kingdom, yeah? So if that is you, if you feel like you buried a testimony, if you feel like you buried a feeling, if you feel like you buried a hurt or a gift or a calling, if that is you here tonight, I would love to pray for you. And so if that is you, I would love for you to raise your hands right now so that I can stand with you and I can pray with you tonight. Awesome. So good. There's so many hands going up. I love this. It's amazing. This is us recognizing and responding to Jesus going, hey, Jesus, I buried. I don't want to leave it buried anymore, but I want to respond and I want that resurrection power to be evident in my life. If that is you, raise your hand. And I'll pray for you guys. Amazing. So good. So good. Lord Jesus, we come before you tonight. And we recognize that we buried what you want to bless, Lord God. And we recognize that our feelings and our emotions and our fear and our pride has allowed us to keep it hidden for far too long. And so right here, right now, We want to give it to you, Lord God. Right here, right now, we say, Lord God, won't you have what we once buried? And as we recognize and as we're responding right now, in the mighty or powerful name of Jesus, I declare for a resurrection to begin to take place. A resurrection of once dead things in your life to begin to come back to life again. A resurrection for your faith to begin to rise up again. A resurrection of your trust. A resurrection of relationships. A resurrection of a healed heart in Jesus' name. And Lord God, that you would use our weeks ahead of us so that we could step into all that you have for us and so much more. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.